Yeah, he's, he's a character. Well, welcome to the weekend sports buzz. I like that music there. I'm Kelly well, Patrick. You know, uh, Carlo uh, Justin Timberlake is in town tonight. Todd is I thought you had front row tickets. You, you, you and Peter. You mean now you're taking your wife? You're taking Peter? No, no, I'm not going. <laughs> Wouldn't be bad. My wife would like it. No, I'm just kidding. A lot of great sports action to get to today. Oh man, Louisville Kentucky basketball is going on. Kentucky dropped a game yesterday. Um, Mac Brown steps down in air quotes. I'm saying steps that was so, down. Wow. Yeah, so much drama behind that, and we'll talk about that later. Yeah, there's the drama that involves Nick Saban. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, is is Saban? Uh, did he have anything to do with that? I don't think so. He released a statement saying he didn't. He's uh-huh. now signed an extension with Alabama. Jameis Winston won the Heisman last night. Third FSU player to ever win the Heisman, along with Winky and, and Charlie Ward, uh-huh. youngest player to ever win the Heisman. Um, we all, as always, we'll talk about the NFL. We have our man Brian, the Insider, calling in the first hour. Second hour, we've actually got a big star, Mo Egger of 700 WLW, ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. I actually heard Mo yesterday on ESPN National Radio. He'll oh, wow. be joining us at 11:15. Okay. Talk about. Uh, you know, my Reds, my Bengals, anything else we want to chat with Mo about? Also, got? we had a star-studded guest list today. Victor Cole from uh, the Extreme Football League is calling in today. Great. Uh, so he'll be calling in, talking about the upcoming season, his big signing in Mario Uridia. Uh, also, new coach uh, uh, Kunta from uh, out at Dallas High School who's taking over. Coach Kunta. Good stuff. So, uh, but, yeah, he's calling in, so it should be a uh, lot of great guests. Joined on the line by Ashley Danielle is, is with us this morning. How are you doing this morning, Ashley? I am doing well. How are you guys? Doing great. Ready for a big show. We appreciate you joining us. Are you in Indianapolis? Yes, and it's snowing again. <laughs> wow. So, we, we, like I said, we've got plenty to talk about, uh, whether it be Mac Brown, what's going to happen with him in the University of Texas football program. Is he, my question is, is he going to take a Denny Crum-esque style of position? With Texas, I mean, is he going to step back and, and be an ambassador for the program? He's He won a national championship. He lost a national championship. But he's been there for 16 years, and he's had a lot of success at Texas. Will he uh, take a, a Denny Crum-type role? Um, Ashley, last night, Jameis Winston won the Heisman. W- w- what's going on with you this weekend, Ashley? What do you want to talk about in the world of sports? Well, I, I mean, I know Carlo is eager to talk about the Heisman race. <laughs> So I mean we can start we could start there but just making sure we get over to UK dropping that game for UNC. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, Ashley. I had a little little difficulties there right now. Do you say the the? Do you mention the the Kentucky loss yesterday, or were you, were you angling something toward Carlo? Did you say something about North Carolina? Yeah, I, yeah, no, no. I what I said was <laughs> I'm sure that Carlo wants to talk about. The Heisman, which is great, and I think that is kind of the top story of the day, but I just want to make sure that we get over to talk about UK dropping that game to UNC since you guys were supposed to yeah, go you, and you, beat the Tar Heels. Yeah, you're right. Louisville did lose to North Carolina. We both lost to North Carolina. <laughs> Ashley, I'll ask you. Early in the season, it's Rick Pitino's style to drop games. Everybody knows he does. It's right. a long, emotional season. Every year, there's always different drama that comes up. Rick likes to have his team rolling at the right time. Come tournament time to not only win his conference championship, but 
maybe make well, a run in the tournament. Does the same do the same rules apply to the listen. University of Kentucky in their freshman laden roster, or is it a different animal? Is is Kentucky, Kentucky NIT bound shut again? Down the highest scoring team in the nation last week in Boise State. You shut them down, held them to like fifty State? points. Come on, guys. They're Come the highest scoring team in the nation. On. But hey, we played three ranked teams so far this Who season. Who cares we... about the highest scoring team if you guys are dropping every game to a ranked opponent? Well, the, at least we're, we're playing ranked opponents. This is what Kentucky does. We're getting built up for this. This unlike college football, this means nothing. This is getting us ready. Carlo. Our team is gelling. It's getting us ready for yeah, for that, March. That sounds good. That sounds good. But I think um, they even said on the website that you guys are selling those 40 no t-shirts to opposing teams now <laughs> because they think it's funny. No, actually, they're going overseas for charity. <laughs> oh, I mean, they sell charity. Yeah, they should do that. Yeah, that's the, the greatness that, that is the University of Kentucky. They're always thinking about charity. So this, those T-shirts are going to the, the, the needy kids who need clothing overseas are, uh, you know, third-world countries. Yeah, because maybe they don't know any better. So, <laughs> I mean, honestly, what do you think? What's the issue? You think they don't rise up on big games or what? No, it's something that ha- it happened with when they had John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins. They always drop games early in the season. Uh, to to rank to better teams. I mean, North Carolina is a good team right so, now. Roy Williams is uh, one of the top coaches in the league. So I mean, it, it's a okay, it's so. a it's a a loss to learn from is how I look at it. Is it a, a simple um, step? I mean, along Michigan the path State, of the, this team progressing and maturing. They're a very young team. They've got talent. There's no denying the level of talent they Michigan got. Michigan State, Baylor, North everybody's Carolina. lost except three Arizona. great teams. Okay, you're right. Yeah, so three great ranked teams that are very, very good. Both, all three may go deep in the tournament. You're right. It's very early in college you know, you basketball. You the schedule. North Carolina's the only team you played. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. I, well, I mean, I, I'm, who's I'm more ready? Now that you guys played Belmont this week. You guys played Belmont this week. So I mean, seriously, this is a two. That's just a tune-up game to, to to wipe out uh, the University of Louisville in a couple of weeks. That's all. This is just a tune-up game. Okay. So, so <laughs> as I asked you last week, we're just going to keep reducing the number on that on that shirt. <laughs> so you guys went from forty and zero to thirty-seven and three, and then on the twenty-eighth, it's going to be thirty-six and four. So okay, Ash, I, I want to make a bet. When Kentucky beats Louisville, okay. I want you to wear a UK sweatshirt in the studio. <laughs> I, 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 uh, and we'll take a picture. We'll put it out there on Instagram. I don't do it. We put it every. We put it out there everywhere for everybody to see. Uh, that's the bet. You wear a UK sweatshirt. Okay. Well, if when Louisville wins, I need you in a U of Bell sweatshirt and. Uh, Little hat since you like to wear hats all the time. Well, see, see, we, so for this bet, we both have to go out and purchase something we don't have. So uh, save some money. Uh, save some money. Or go ahead, buy your UK I've sweatshirt got one now. She can wear. See, Ty is going to be nice to let you uh, wear here. So there's no doubt about this. Be prepared ones. to wear oh, a UK okay. sweatshirt. <laughs> I want to encourage our listeners to give us a call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty. Wow. Right now, we are going to head to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line. We're brought in by his theme song. We now have our man, Carolina Steve. How you doing this morning, Carolina? Carolina, are you there? Yes, I am. What has you buzzing this weekend, Carolina? Oh, this weekend was a great weekend in sports. I hate that I caught a little bit of a cold and with the weather couldn't get out to see the boxing match last night. Instead, I watched a little MMA and a little boxing on television. 
I've gotten to where I love to watch that MMA on television, especially since Fox Sports 1 and 2 seems to carry it all the time. You're right, Carolina. It's a growing sport. Fox Sports 1 has really helped the the national um, publicity and the exposure. So it sounds like you watched probably the Uriah Favors fight and possibly even the Showtime Adrian Bronner fight. What fights last night really stood out to you? Yeah, I enjoyed Oh, let's go over some of the things from this weekend. Sure. Thing y'all failed to mention, the greatest rivalry game in football of all times was played yesterday between our service academies, Army and Navy. I had rather watch that football game, Alabama-Auburn, Kentucky, uh, Louisville, Ohio State, Michigan, because these guys will never see professional football. They're going out there and playing for the glory of it. I can relate to it because I was in the Army for four years, and I've been taking a, a whipping for the last 12 from them guys that go on ships. And, but I watch it uh, when I was in the military. You will not believe the number of things that are bet on that game. Admirals betting admirals. uh <laughs> Officers betting officers, enlisted men betting enlisted men, and it is just something else to see the Army-Navy game. When I was in the Army, we actually had parties to watch the game at the service club up there, and we would always go in to pull for the Army, and one of the greatest football games I ever saw in my life, as I believe it's the first Army-Navy game I ever watched, was in 1963 when Army and Navy played right after President Kennedy had passed away. Mm, that's a good point, Carolina, Steve. Army and Navy is a big game every year. Blowout last night, though. Navy winning 34-7. to uh, You know, Navy always, they, they sometimes have, they have decent teams most of the time. They played Notre Dame pretty hard almost all the time when they play. Uh, but, but what happened to Army last night? What happened to their season? They're 3-9 this year, Carolina. Yes. Uh, well, good. Also, y'all were talking about Mac Brown. Uh, resided. They had on uh, there's a website that I like to look at on Facebook called Outkick the Coverage. Have y'all ever looked at that? Yeah, I have. Yeah, Outkick Outkick the Coverage. Great great site there. Yeah, uh, they listed the top 12 candidates for the Texas job. Okay. Of course, number one is no longer in the uh, hunt. That would be Nick Saban. He decided to do what was right to stay at the University of Alabama. But the second choice was uh, a surprise to me was the head football coach from Stanford. He's had a pretty good year. I mean, that uh, yeah, he, he, has. he can coach. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, the guy from Texas A&M, even though he signed a new uh, contract, was in the top five. The guy from Baylor. And Number nine, somebody we all know. Don't say Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong. Ah. What about Bobby Petrino? He is number 12. Bobby, Bobby Petrino's on. You know what? I didn't think about that. That would actually be an interesting move. And I think Texas would be interested in Bobby Petrino. You think that can happen, Kelly? I don't uh, see Ashley? it, I don't see I it don't, happening. I don't think it could happen. You got too, too much old money down there. And they remember how Petrino has uh, messed over some schools and everything. And finally, to get to the basketball game, do you realize that Carolina, I believe, is either 23-12 oh, 
are 24 and 12 against Kentucky in the series in basketball. Let me ask you one question, uh, Carolina. Who has more championships? <laughs> Who has more uh, That's all-time what, wins? The hardware is what counts, and the University of Kentucky can trump just about every college in the nation when it comes to that subject. Ashley? Well, they can't Very trump funny. this. Do you know that the University of Kentucky helped keep Dean Smith in Carolina? Tell us the background on that, uh, uh, Steve. They were ready to fire Dean Smith, and he went to Rupp Arena and introduced a new offense there and won the ball game, and that kept Smith's job. It was called the Four Corners, which is still my favorite offense in basketball, and they put that stupid clock in where teams can't use it anymore. And... uh <laughs> It kept him up there, and I believe that he surpassed Adolph Rupp as the winningest coach at that time, correct? Now, Steve, that four corners was like watching paint dry. I mean, come on. that You know, you're becoming an MMA fan. That's like two guys laying on top of each other all the whole fight. The shot clock has had yeah. so much more excitement. It made, made it is, but... Maybe he did uh, save his job at that time, but it it uh, sure didn't help college basketball. Well, whenever I was coaching high school basketball, at every school in the state of North Carolina would do this. The first offense I would put in would be the four quarters, but I wouldn't put it in the stall. I would spread the uh, court out and try and score out of this offense. It was a great offense to score out of, but to hold the ball – and it made you put people out there to shoot free throws. Today's free throw shooting is atrocious. I look, Carolina never has had a poor free throw shooting team as I've, as I've seen this year. Usually Carolina had the guys in the 80 to 90% range out there shooting in that four corners. I mean, you had guys like Phil Ford, Billy Cunningham, guys like that that could hit free throws. Today... People can't hit free throws. I don't know why they can't do it. I tell you what, if I were John Calipari or Rick Pitino, you know who I would send uh, uh, the ball players to to learn how to shoot free throws? Now, Kyle Macy. Kyle Macy. No. Scotty Davenport. His team seems to shoot in the 80% every year for free throws, and I've, I've been up there. That is my favorite school to go watch play basketball, and I wish some weekend y'all would have Coach Davenport on there. He is a great man, a good friend of mine. He had a thing down there this week. I didn't get to go Friday night because of the, uh, my cold and everything, but he had a team that I used to watch play in the Carolinas. At Division Two. they've won three national championships. And that is Virginia Union. You ever heard of them uh that school? Oh yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing was, uh did any of y'all know what the coach's nickname was during that time? I don't think so. What was Carolina his, Steve? <laughs> what was his it nickname? Was the White Shadow. The White Shadow, okay. He was a great coach and where I live, we uh, we were right on the Virginia border, and we'd 
got a lot of that CIAA basketball, and a lot of the people I taught with were, were from one of the schools, and they'd go to the, the tournament. And that's when I started hearing about him, and I started watching it out of the Richmond stations. And they played some pretty good basketball. I think there was, I forget who it was, but there was one ball player that was real, real good that went uh, and played on the NBA championship team from, from there, and I forget who it is, but uh, I. We'll see y'all. Y'all have a good day. All right, all right Carolina, we'll appreciate you as always. I'm on my way to the Carolina. All right, good stuff always from Carolina Steve. Got his little intro, outro music. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Kelly Patrick, Ashley Danielle, I'm Carlo Kellen. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. With the host, Kelly Patrick, Ashley Danielle, I'm Carlo Kellum. We are joined live on the line from Brian the Insider, who's going to give us all our news on the horse racing, also maybe talk a little NBA baseball. How's it going, Brian? Happy holidays to you. Brian the Insider? Insider Brian? Well, maybe we'll get him here in a second. It looks like we're having some technical, having some technical difficulties on the line, so we'll have Brian the Insider here shortly. Kelly Patrick, you know, we uh, was exchanging you know, texts back and forth this week. We'll talk, probably talk about it later in the show. The Kobe Bryant situation. Great, yeah, uh, great topic. He came up. Jim Brown on the Arsenio Hall show gave Arsenio Hall a little publicity. Publicity Called him out and said, hey, back in the day when we uh, had no that sum- summit for Ali, I wouldn't have called uh, Kobe Bryant. But looks like we got Brown, the insider, back on, so we're going to touch that here a little bit later and kind of uh, give our opinions on what we think about the Jim Brown's comments, but right now we have Brian the Insider live on the line. How's it going, Brian? Oh, I'm doing great. How's everybody doing this morning? Merry Christmas to you three. Happy holidays to you. Happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, or whatever it is that people out there celebrate. Uh, glad to have you uh, this morning, uh, Brian. Well, Carlo, I want to give you a shout-out. Uh, I tell you, for a guy that claims he doesn't know much about horse racing, you threw a name at me oh, a month ago that I hadn't even heard of horse named Shared Belief, who at that time was coming out of a uh, very impressive maiden win and subsequently was purchased by uh, uh, the trainer, Jerry Holendolfer, and also uh, the majority interest went to Jim Rome's uh, Jungle Racing, and boy, did he put on a unbelievable display yesterday in the 75th and final cash call futurity at Hollywood Park. I mean, just about the most impressive two-year-old that I've seen, may even have gotten shared belief uh, the eclipse award for the best two-year-old which of course we all know at the end of the month january 1st he's going to become a three-year-old and that really is the significance of it because we've got a big race in kentucky for saturday in may that i would say right now shared belief is right in there as one of the favorites and uh, very impressive performance that's a good point brian uh bringing up jim rome you know at one point he said horse racing is not a sport it's a bet that that was Jim Rome's comment uh, comments about horse racing before he actually got into the business of horse racing. When he did an interview with, with one of the greatest jockeys, uh, Kent, help me out, Brian. I don't want to say his last name wrong. DeSormo? Kent DeSormo. Yeah, that's correct. 
great interview. If you guys never heard it before, did an interview with him. That's what brought him into the horse racing industry, into the into the into the sport. Wow, that's now a great he has story. he has great respect for it. But he said it's not a sport; it's a bet. At one point, but you see how that's changed. Oh yeah, well he 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 knows now. It's a it's a it's the king of sports. Uh, uh, sport of kings, actually, is the, the old expression. But it's a I think it's a fantastic uh, sport. I mean, it's uh, the great champions. Uh, we talked about Wise Dan on this program a lot. Uh, we saw some great horse racing last year. We saw some great racing at the Clark Handicap when Game On Dude traveled from California and got in it with Will Take Charge. I mean, just uh, but boy, I tell you what. Uh, when you get a good derby horse, and it looks like, and they, they're not disclosing the price, but it looks like it was the purchase of the year. It looks like it was purchased. I'm reading on the, some some of the blogs that uh, 250000 they bought this horse out of his maiden win. And uh, God, he got 60% of 750 yesterday, so he's more than uh, paid for it. And let me tell you the thing that excites me most about this horse is he's a gelding. Not that he was gelded, guys. Don't get too squirmish on me, but uh, that means we're going to have a chance to watch him for many, many years, and he's not going to be raced off into uh, being a sire. So shared belief is a gelding. Obviously, if they knew how great he would have, would have been, they wouldn't have gelded him uh, because of his stud value. But uh, it's great for horse racing when you have this kind of a gelding. Game on dude is a great example who's still running at age six. So this, this horse could be around for a long time, and uh, he'll start his derby uh, opportunity soon. Ironically, uh, for some reason, Churchill did not award the cash call futurity at Hollywood Park any points. Uh, last year, it, it got 10 points uh, towards the Kentucky Derby Trail. It did not get any points yesterday. Churchill left it off uh, their point system, but I don't think that's going to be a problem for this poll. He's going he's gonna to be able to uh, uh, get the points he needs in short order, and uh, he looks like he's the real deal. Wow, so the value of, of a horse being at gelding really tells us that he can go for many years is is wise? What you know? Wise Dan seems to be running at a very high level horse of the year type caliber uh, runner. Is he a gelding? What other great horses are geldings, and how, how common is it? Uh, well, you know, they they, they typically uh, will geld a horse that that either is very difficult to train, uh, or they don't think uh, with his uh, pedigree is going to have a great uh, market value as a sire. Uh, it is, it's it, in, in everyday horse racing, uh, it's very common. Uh, the horse I, last horse I had, Fat Day, who is, by the way, uh, won his last two races for Tom Amos and is at the fairground through the bullet work at the fairground, first out of 57 the other day. He's a gelding. Many horses are geldings, uh, it, but it's very unusual to have a good derby horse that's a gelding because of the, uh, the prospect of him being a, uh, a sire. So this is unusual that we could have a horse that looks this freakish uh, this early be a gelding, uh, and uh, I think it's fantastic for horse racing because of the prospect of him racing well beyond his three- and four-year uh, career and, and could race seven, eight years old. Funny side, to answer your question there, Kelly, was the last uh, uh, derby winner that was a gelding. Uh, so it, it, it does happen, but it's not very rare. I think there's been maybe three or four derby winners uh, that have been gelded, geldings. What's I, he, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm Can sorry. I ask you a question, sure. Brian? Uh, sure. Was uh, yesterday the last day of the Hollywood meet forever? Somebody said that they were actually dropping horse racing in Hollywood. Is that true? 
Yeah, what happened was Churchill Downs actually owned Hollywood Park. Hollywood Park is is a very old track in Inglewood. Uh, used to be it's over by the old. If you you guys old enough to remember where the Lakers used to play the old Forum uh, in Inglewood, it was close by there. And, and Churchill Downs had it, and and it was fairly successful. About I don't know ten years ago or so, Churchill sold it, and at that time it was decided that that land was much more valuable for real estate for real estate development. So. Uh, sadly, it's closed. Uh, it, uh, I think the 22nd is its last day of running, and it is closed. Uh, a, a new track, most of the racing will stay at Santa Anita in California and Del Mar. There is uh, Los Alamitos. Is a, it was a quarter horse track, uh, and they've they've expanded that. And they're in the, in the process of expanding that to a mile oval, and, and that'll pick up some of the dates. But it is a bad day for racing when Hollywood Park closes. As I said, that was the site of the first Breeders' Cup. 30 years ago, and a lot of great things have happened there. A lot of great horses have run there, but it is closing. It's just uh, it, the real estate was more uh, valuable as commercial property than it was as a horse track. Once again, we're joined on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line by Brian the Insider. Brian, we certainly appreciate the horse racing update. You know, we're here on 1450, the sports buzz. What else in the world of sports has you buzzing this weekend, Brian? Well, I tell you what, uh, as you guys know, I'm a, I'm a Louisville fan, and uh, I, Sorry, I watch all Patino's press conferences, and uh, I was just I, I just can't get it out of my mind, his press conference, when he it very much insinuated that there's going to be a midseason edition, a big man midseason edition. I'm on a lot of different premium sites, and, and there's a lot of speculation, but, I mean, Patino really opened the door for somebody to come in, uh, you know, at the start of the second semester and uh, and play significant minutes, I mean, and be the starting center next year. So that's got me going. And, of course, as you guys know, I'm a big Pacers fan, tickled to death with their big win over the Heat, Carlo. I know you get a chance to uh, at your own home court on Wednesday, but uh, they continue to impress. They're 20 and 3. Uh, I'm sorry that uh, for the truth that they uh, weren't <laughs> able to pick up more Indiana uh, bums that have come off that program, and, and uh, I guess they should be sticking them on the bench. They tried with Tyler Hansborough, Psycho T, uh, just didn't get the job done, and they shipped him to Toronto. But uh, they are very impressive, nine and three on the road, and they've got a big road game Wednesday. And I look for a big win Wednesday. Surprisingly, the two best teams in the NBA on the East Coast, in the East Division is the the Pacers at twenty and three, and then on the West Coast, the best team so far is Portland at twenty and four. Very unusual to see those two at the top of their perspective divisions. Uh, usually, you know, it may be the Thunder and then, you know, Miami or Chicago or something like that on the other side. But two teams coming out of nowhere, you know, Indiana looks real good. I mean, Indiana's been good for a few years. You know, that's not, don't get me wrong on that. They've been real good. Maybe this is their year. Brian, I don't know. There. Uh, Portland is interesting. I've watched them, that Aldridge guy. I mean, I watched them the other night. I think they're on to something there. They're very impressive. The, the Pacers played them very good at, Portland, but lost to them. But you're right about Portland. They look for real, and I've always liked Portland going back to the Bill Walton days when they won a title back in 1977. I've always liked Portland. Uh, but they look like they're the real deal this year. Very impressive team. Number ones in points per game, 107, uh, average around 107 points per game. So they, they, they are an offensive, offensive machine, the Portland Trailblazers are. But, uh, you know, like yeah, I, said, I think it, I saw where that Aldridge had 37 and 25 the other night or something crazy like that. But the one interesting stack that, that may hurt the Pacers is they're number one in points allowed. So yeah. I don't know. If that's Is that something they can uh, 
they can in when it comes tournament time that they know that they may come back to haunt them. Yeah, well, they still got the big, the best defensive center, in my opinion, uh, in, in uh, big boy Rory. Uh, he still continues to impress. He's a big clog in the middle, and us Louisville fans know by losing Gorky how important a big clog in the middle is. But uh, I tell you what, uh, uh, I would be a little more concerned, Carlo, about your Heat team. I mean, there is no question LeBron is the best player in the league. He's shooting 58% from the field, which is 58. a staggering percentage. But the rest of their team looks tired and old. Dwayne is, you know, he, he, can, he can't even play yeah. consecutive games. Uh, I, I think the Heat are washed up. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to make a, a big uh, acquisition in the offseason coming up. I don't know who, but they're going to definitely have to. Somebody's going to have to come in and help LeBron out because it's definitely not going to be Dwayne Wade moving forward. Uh, he might not even last the rest of the no. season. No, they've, uh, they've, he, you know, it, it looks, it's starting to look like the old Cavaliers team, and uh, LeBron couldn't win it with that. They could win it again, but boy, I tell you what, it's not built to last a long time. And uh, uh, if they don't get LeBron some help, I believe he may take his roadshow somewhere else. Hey, Brian, it's always a pleasure. Would you call it in, giving us all the updates on horse racing, NBA? We appreciate you. Look forward to you having you back on next week. Uh, thank you, and you have a great week. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it and I love the show. Have a great day. All right. Brian, the insider. So we were talking NBA before uh, Brian called in. We were talking about Kobe Bryant, Jim Brown. Yeah. So what great, happened? Great topic there. Jim Brown, basically, on the Arsenio Hall show, Arsenio asked him, he said, I'm going to say some players' names. I want you to tell me exactly what you think. <laughs> oh, man. Kobe Bryant. And with Kobe Bryant, it wasn't just one or two words. He went in hard on him. Basically, he's saying Kobe's from overseas. You know, he, he mostly grew up, I think, in Italy. So he's saying he doesn't relate to the black culture that's here in America, which is why he acts the way he does when he threw Shaq under the bus. And also some of, this, uh, this, some of the other things that he, he's done over the course of his, of, of his career. That Jim Brown, you know, I guess he, he basically called him a foreigner. Pretty much he called him a foreigner. Yeah. But uh, he said when they had that summit back in the day, when uh, for Ali, when he was protesting the Army, you saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar there. You saw Bill Russell. There was also uh, a few other major sports stars there. I saw a documentary on this a long time ago, by, by the way. Since you mentioned uh, it to Jack- me the other day, I've read up on it. Jackie Robinson wasn't called for that. Joe Lewis wasn't called for that. Uh, he actually uh, uh, has said some negative comments about the whole, the whole thing, and he took a lot of heat from the community for not supporting Ali. Uh, and uh, the, the rest of the athletes who were there. So basically, Ali came up. He was this loudmouth, um, you know, seen as very polarizing, quickly associated with the the um, you know guys like Malcolm X, and and he became very polarizing. And they they called this summit, and Jim Brown was the leader of it to say, do we embrace Muhammad Ali? Is that right? Yeah, basically, yeah, they were there to embrace him and show their support. But Are he's we, saying, should we get behind this guy or no? And Jim Brown was the the man who 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 said yay or nay. Is that yeah. right? Well, yeah, not yeah, yeah. They knew who they that would come out and support them. Basically, he's saying Kobe Bryant, he isn't one of us. Wow, I'm not an African American, but I can imagine that if if I were, that'd be very offensive. If I were Kobe you know Bryant, what? I'd be. Pissed. When we come back, I read Kobe Bryant's quotes. He actually had a very classy quote uh, in response to Jim Brown uh, that I thought was classy. You know, he could he could have been very negative uh, to Jim Brown. He showed a lot of respect, and he just posed a question. Wow. So we'll be right back with the Weekend Sports Buzz.
And welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Your host, Kelly Patrick. I'm Carlo Kellum, along with our man, Todd Neal. We have a little technical difficulties on the phone line. I'm trying to get them figured out. But uh, right now, I think we have it figured out to an extent. We've got my man, Victor Cole, the owner of the Kentucky Extreme Arena Football League, who's getting ready for their upcoming season here in Louisville, Kentucky, out at Freedom Hall. Uh, he's had some big signing acquisitions over the offseason. Mario Uridia, Louisville's very own. And also, Dawson's former head coach, uh, Kunta Farmer, I believe. I, I, don't, I may be saying his last name wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, Victor. Is that correct? Yeah, it's uh, Coach Lakunta Farmer. Lakunta Farmer. But a lot of big season acquisitions for the Kentucky Extreme. Victor, we appreciate having you on the Weekend Sports Buzz, the Sunday edition. How you doing? Doing well. First off, I'd like to thank you for having me on today. Um, doing great. Um, excited for the new upcoming season. Now, tell us, this offseason, you, you made a, a big buzz with, with some of your signings. First of all, the Mario Uridia, I think he played in like the uh, a, a, a semi-pro football league last year and was like the, the MVP or something like that. Is that correct? Now, last season, last season, Mario, he played in the arena football league. It's like the uh, major league level of uh, arena football. Um, they're a nationwide league, and he actually won MVP. Well, actually, I'm sorry, uh, Rookie of the Year. Uh, for the uh, 2013 season, so it was his first year uh, in the AFL, and then uh, he also won the Western All-Star MVP in the All-Star game last month for the AFL China game. So who are some of the other players that uh, are well-known uh, in the uh, Louisville I know you got some big names on the team. Tell us some of the fans who else they can look forward to seeing playing for the Extreme this season. All right, uh, we picked up quite a few uh, L players over this offseason. Um, some of the newest acquisitions outside of uh, Mario Uridia would be uh, Josh Chichester, wide receiver from U of L. Um, see, he had some uh, big boys. Uh, Jeremy Baker, he played a little bit at U of L and finished off at uh, Union College. Alicia Pompolis, uh, defensive lineman there, and then uh, picked up for receiver as well uh, Marcus Vasquez out of uh, Western Kentucky. So any of the uh, Hilltopper fans, that's Old another tops. one. Yes, <laughs> I'm still working on some more uh, UK players, but you know a lot of those guys they don't want to bleed red, so they're still <laughs> bleeding blue. All right. Now this is the second season for the Kentucky Extreme. Uh, is that correct, Victor? That's correct. This will be our second indoor season in a professional indoor arena league. So third season overall. Uh, we started off the one year doing outdoor football last summer and won a championship to that, and then here we are in our second season. Uh, trying to bring a, a ring home for the second time. Now, now this year with the addition of Lakuta Farmer uh, out of Dallas High School, I remember back in what 2010, 2009, he took a school like Dallas and led them to a record of 10 and three. You know, coming up in Louisville, being around high school football, that was something that was really unheard of for a school like Dallas. He's an excellent coach. What does he bring different to the table this year to the Louisville Extreme that you didn't have last year? Uh, some of the qualities that uh, Coach Farmer brings. Uh, He's more of a motivational type uh, of a coach. Uh, a lot of the guys, you know, really look up to him. Um, I mean, this would be his third season with us, but just the first season as a as a head coach. But, I mean, I, I've seen the guy do some amazing things. I mean, even from the outdoor season, you know, we'll probably go in at halftime uh, losing by a couple points and, you know, he'll give a motivational speech and, you know, get the guys rallied up and fired up and, you know, just guys come out and, and make things happen and we win games. So, um, he brings a great deal of uh, knowledge of the football game uh, to the table. 
um, and just in conjunction with him being a great motivator, a great speaker, um, and, and his knowledge, you know, just it's a total key for success. Once again, we're joined by Victor Cole, owner of the Kentucky Extreme Football League. Now, uh, Victor, LaCunta went to Mel High School, right? Mel High School football player? Correct. Uh, Mel High School and uh, did his college up at uh, Kentucky State. So, actually holds a few records up there. And you went to the greatest high school in Louisville, Kentucky, known as Louisville Central, which also I went. So, it's good to see guys that are from here that are giving back and, 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 and making a big name for sports in the city of Louisville. But, uh, yeah, it's a great thing, yeah. great thing that you're doing uh, with the, the Kentucky Extreme. What did you learn from last season that's going to make you guys better this year? Uh, last season we had a really, really good team. Um, a lot of, I guess, probably on-field downfalls. I mean, we did make it to the semifinals and we fell short to the league champs. But uh, we we had a lot of athleticism out on the field, and the biggest thing again was, for the most part, the team was mostly rookies. We had a few veteran players, you know, guys that have played for other indoor arena teams around the country. But now we've pretty much returned most of our guys from last year. So for a lot of the ones that were rookies, uh, you know, they'd be considered sophomores in the field. Um, that, and then we've brought in additional key additions to where we needed to help at, you know, whether it was on the offensive line, uh, some key receivers like Mario and Josh, uh, who had former AFL experience, uh, former D1 experience, um, um, stuff like that, uh, that's going to be key. Uh, as far as off the field, a lot of folks just did not know about the team last year uh, or about the games. So, you know, the folks that did come out, they enjoyed it, um, had a great time, and we, we pretty much kept a solid fan following. Uh, but we just want to reach out to more folks. So we've kind of partnered up with some different media outlets around uh, the city to make sure that we're really getting the word out and letting folks know that, hey, these games are going on, and, you know, this is happening, and this is who's playing. And, you know, with the addition of, you know, a lot of these former U of L stars, you know, that should be a big attraction, especially with the University of Louisville following. Uh, Victor, go ahead and tell the fans how they can get to your website, get tickets. What, what, can you give out all your information so the, the, the sports fans, fans know how to know how to get a hold of some tickets when it comes to some of the games? All right, currently tickets are on sale, uh, whether you want to get season tickets or single game tickets. Uh, our website is www.kentuckyextremewithanx.com. Um, you can call into the box office to get your single game tickets or to get your uh, your season tickets, or you can go on uh, Ticketmaster.com to get your uh, single game tickets as well. So um, it's very affordable, and you know, again, we we do gear towards family affordable fun, but single game tickets start off as low as seven dollars. And season tickets start off as low as $35. So very, very affordable compared to many, many other teams around the nation. Uh, playing a great venue. And like I said, it's a lot of family fun. So a lot of things that you will not get uh, with any other sport, you know, with uh, arena football. So, you know, that the seats go all the way down to that wall level. And you can go in or touch the fans from your seat um, at the end of the game. Um, fans are allowed to go onto the field and 
you know, greet, meet and greet the players. So, um, no other sport that I can think of, NFL, NBA, college football, unless you're running, rushing the field after a big win, but you're not going to be able to get that. Uh, Victor, I'm looking forward to this upcoming season. I made it just about all the home games last year. I'll make sure I'm get the rest of the sports, 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 uh, sports buzz crew out there to the games this year. Thank you for calling in. We'll help you on again sometime during the season or, uh, when you win the championship later in the year. Okay. Sounds right. good. I appreciate you having me on. Again. No, no problem. Once again, Victor Cole, the Kentucky Extreme Football League. Season's about to kick off here shortly. So get your tickets now because they're going to run out quick. We will talk a little bit about Jim Brown and Kobe Bryant's situation. Uh, and I was going to read Kobe Bryant's quote. Now, he came back to Jim Brown with this. He said uh, this is a tweet he put out. So I guess now people, they tweet their responses instead of giving press conferences. I don't know. A global African-American is in a freer shade to American, quotation marks, African-Americans, question marks. That doesn't sound very Mandela or Dr. King, sir. I think Jim Brown is coming from a different era. The world has changed a lot, you know. It's more of a, uh, it was a book I read back in college called, the I think, The Global Olive Tree. I don't know if you ever heard of it before. But it's everything's more on a, it's a global scale now, man. It's, it's, it's bigger than what's just, just going on here. A lot of the problems back then are not the same problems that we have today. But uh, I kind of, I, I, I understand where Jim Brown's coming from because I wouldn't call Kobe Bryant either. I think he's a hater. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a Kobe Bryant fan. But I think Kobe Bryant's response was very classy, and, uh, and, and he respected him. He ended in saying, sir. Yeah. So he, he showed his respect for Jim Brown, didn't call him out, showed that he still respected him, but he, he posed questions. I guess uh, I think my interpretation was saying how the world is different than today than it was yesterday and how dr king preached about peace equality yada yada yada. yeah anytime you have someone who's a second generation whether it be oscar de la hoya who was raised in a mexican family but he was born and raised here in the united states kobe bryant was raised by an african-american family it just so happened his dad joe jellybean bryant was playing basketball in italy Mm -hmm. and so he was raised in italy so anytime you try to associate yourself with that certain group, like Oscar De La Hoya has done with the, Me- you know, as an Ame- a Mexican, yeah, he, when he fought Julio Cesar, good point. When he fought Julio Cesar Chavez, they did not like Oscar De La Hoya. No, they considered because he Julio wasn't authentic. Chavez, exactly, he, he wasn't, wasn't authentic. They didn't consider him authentic. So exactly. I, I kind of draw a parallel between the two. Um, Kobe Bryant is in a tough situation. He is African American, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think he may have been born in Italy. <laughs> yeah, Let's is. check. Actually, where where, where was he? Where was Kobe Bryant actually born? And does it matter? He was raised by African-American parents. The, the whole race issue is, is always interesting. Jim Brown, what I find to be interesting is how much authority and how high of a um, level everybody holds Jim Brown on in, in these hey, type of things. We he retired about, he said early. His he problems in the past. You know, uh, I had a chance to meet Jim Brown, had a good conversation with him. Uh, go to my Facebook page. You can see that picture. But I like Jim Brown. He did a lot of great things. But he, he also has a troubled <laughs> off the field, a lot of troubled off the field issues that I don't agree with. You know, some of the things I consider disgusting. So Kobe Bryant could have went real low. Did you ever hear the interview with Jim Rome and uh, David Stern about uh, a couple months ago, maybe three, four months or ago? Or like a year ago where, Not, where, where, Jim, where David Stern got mad? Yeah, he said, he so said you still so, hit your wife? He was just trying to throw a, a lawyer-type question at him. Yeah. But that was a low blow. That was a low that's blow. Something Jim, that Rome Bryant, Jim Rome doesn't have a history of, thro- of, of hitting his wife, though. He I, was ju- that's just a, the type of question that a lawyer throws back at you, and you say, do you still beat your wife? How do you answer that? I mean, you say, I never beat my wife, but, I mean, you say yes, you say no. 
If you say, no, I don't still beat my wife, then it makes, implies that you used to. So that was just a, a tough question. If you actually have a history of you know, domestic abuse, like I know you don't like Jason Kidd because of it or, or Jim, Jim Brown. Well, I, I, like, I, don't, I like Jim Brown, but I, have, I found it very hard to get past domestic issues. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't, I don't have any tolerance for it. You know, I used to be a probation officer working in, in the uh, system for a long time, and I just don't find a place for it in, in, in the world. You, you know? a James Brown fan? Man, <laughs> I like his music, but then again, that's that side of these people that we don't know. Yeah, all we know is what they they give us on TV and magazines. Why, why is Jim Brown f- held in such high regard? I mean, I mean do people community. look at Barry Sanders the same way? I mean, I, I mean, would say if there's a comparable, he's, a, pri- on the he's field. a pioneer for the civil rights movement. Did a lot of great things for the community. A lot the of era. stuff with gangs in LA. He's transforms men. He's transformed men's lives. Mm-hmm. But if you ever seen the Jim Brown, Jim Brown special, he's transformed men's lives. But still, he's one of those people who's helped everybody else. But sometimes in your own back, your own backyard, you fail to give that type of same attention. That's fair. So. Nobody's perfect. Kobe Bryant has you know domestic assault uh, or supposed uh, allegations of rape. So I mean, you look into anybody's closet. I'm not saying everybody has domestic assault charges, um, but everybody's got something in their closet. Jim Brown's held in a very high regard within that, that community. He happened to be in a, during the civil rights era where he was uh, very involved with guys like you said, Muhammad Ali, things like that. Very interesting topic, though, to see him at 77 years old. With a 37-year-old wife. With a 37-year-old <laughs> wife, which she is great. She may be 40 now. It was like three years ago when I met him. So Taking a shot at Kobe Bryant like that. So that's interesting. Kobe Bryant is uh, Tiger Woods, too. Guys but, like that just can't. You know, they just but, – people but, don't but like Woods them. They get do criticism. He, but Kobe did throw Shaq under the bus. You don't do stuff like that, man. Yeah, you, you, you don't what do you do mean? That. Throw him under the bus about his womanizing? Like, uh, yeah, uh, Shaq paid off his women. You know, you don't say that. Yeah. I think you said it to the authority? I yeah. Mean, come on. That, that, that's uh, – yeah. Who Shaq else has done that historically? I think Doug Christie came out and said he thinks he's the only man in the NBA who's actually faithful to his wife. Doug, Talk about throwing your buddies under the bus. Yeah, Doug Christie is. Uh, if you ever watch this show that his wife did called Love and, but well, I don't know, one of them Love and whatever shows, uh, she's ridiculous. <laughs> she really is. She's crazy. So that leads me to believe that he's half crazy as well. Well, interesting topic nonetheless. Kobe Bryant, obviously a uh, figure, um, perhaps the greatest player of the last what fifteen years. Since he's played, he's a bum. He's, one, he's washed up. He's a bum. Oh, he's, I'm not last saying night, he's not tw- washed up. Last night, 21. I'm not saying he's not washed up. Greatest player of the last 15 years. Uh, I mean, he's. Good. I mean, listen, he won five championships. Yeah, and he was a wingman for three of them. So that's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. Michael Michael Jordan was never a wingman. No, I'm not saying he's better than Michael Jordan or is he as good as Michael Jordan. I'm saying Kobe Bryant's the best player of the last 15 years. And historically, he might be the number two shooting guard of all time, only behind his airness. He's been with the team 19 seasons, the second longest than any other player other than John Stockton, number one. We'll be right back with a quick, quick commercial break, the Weekend Sports Buzz. Okay, ain't nobody fucking with my click, 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 click. Ain't nobody fresher than my mom, mom. Click, 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 click. As I look around, they don't do it like my click. Click, 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 and all these bad, bad men, they wonder. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Bug. Alongside Carlo Kellum, I am Kelly Patrick. We are brought in by some very modern music there by Todd. I'm impressed. Yeah, it's one of my uh, little uh, good music, Kanye West, Pusha T. He'll be here in a couple months, uh, Kelly. Actually, a month. 
from now. Really? Yeah. He's like, who is Pusha T? I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. The Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, the personal injury attorney here in the city of Louisville. He is the attorney for the city. Call 502-587-0041 to reach Brandon for all your personal injury attorney needs. Brandon J. Lawrence, where J stands for justice. Or Julius Randle. Or Julius Randle. Or Jumper. He's a true Kentucky fan, so shout out to Brandon Lawrence. Uh, missed him last night, but Brandon Lawrence did have his banners hanging up all over the place. So, uh, one of the greatest humanitarians in the city of Louisville, Brandon J. Lawrence. We'll have to have Brandon on at the end of the show today to correct us for our factual inaccuracies. It's a new segment Brandon's trying to do each week where if we spout something off that's inaccurate during the show, Brandon will happily co- correct us. He started it on its own, on his own, and, and now we're going to try to incorporate it into being a segment here weekly. At 11.15, we're going to have Mo Egger of 1530 ESPN and 700 WLW out of Cincinnati. Not only is he nationally broadcasted, but he, he specializes in my Cincinnati Bengals and, and the Reds. So we'll be able to talk to Mo about you know my problems with Andy Dalton. Are they going to be able to re-sign? Yeah, every time you say you have problems with Andy Dalton, he comes through and performs with the Cincinnati Bengals. You're right. You're right. He I does. Mean, he's, he's been nothing but spectacular the last several weeks since you've been dogging him out. And I don't understand your hate towards a guy who's helping your team win. We're 9-4. and four. I really, on paper, shouldn't have any reason to be anti-Andy Dalton. I am, though. So if you, if you have any comments on that, 384-1450. 25 touchdowns. I'll take 25 TDs. Yeah. I mean, he's got good numbers. You're right. 25-13 or something like that. He's got good numbers. A few, a few pick sixes, but hey, he's, this is the best team that Cincinnati Bengals have ever had since the Super Bowl uh, with a, when they lost the Super Bowl with a Sticky Icky Woods. But this is the best team you ever had. That's fair. Definitely the best defense I've ever seen. uh, 25 years. Definitely the best defense I've seen the Bengals have in my lifetime. They've got super talented players at the skill positions, the tight ends. A.J. Green might be the best. I'm a big Grisham fan. Maybe the best receiver in the league. Um, Even the the secondary receivers are not bad. I don't know why I'm anti-Andy Dalton. We'll talk to Mo Egger about it. Get to ask him a couple questions about the Reds, too. The Reds supposedly a couple weeks ago attempted to trade Brandon Phillips to the Yankees straight up. For an outfielder, Brett Gardner, Yankees turned him down. Are the Reds trying to unload Brandon Phillips right now? Maybe. Get to ask him maybe a a question or two about the Cincinnati Bearcats and their future as far as conference affiliation goes. I think that's an interesting— interesting to see where they end up at. Yeah, will they they be in the ACC? Are they Big 12 bound? Cincinnati's always, I thought, had a good football program uh, the last last five to ten years. Pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. About on par, maybe a little behind they Louisville. Beat Louisville, but you know, hey, no, they couldn't beat Louisville this year. Well, not this year, but they have a history of beating Louisville. They do, and sharing conference championships—you know, something that doesn't happen in the SEC. Some other NFL games that we're looking forward to. We're pretty hard pressed to find some real exciting action for today during the break. Carlo and I were trying to figure out what games. The game I'm are looking important. forward to is Buffalo and Jacksonville. So I want to see which team uh, is the worst team of the, of, of the two. <laughs> two I didn't, of the worst teams in the NFL. Are they going for the first pick? No, actually, Houston has that. I think Well, if Houston continues to lose, they got it locked up. Houston will probably have the number one pick last year. It'll be interesting to see if they go quarterback, uh, which I think they will. And if they do go quarterback, will it be Teddy Bridgewater? 
will it? Mel Kuyper Jr. actually released a statement a couple days ago saying that Teddy Bridgewater is, for the first time that I've heard from a credible source, actually following on the draft boards. I know that he's been out of the Heisman race for a long time and has had a disappointing season on the field overall with Louisville's expectations for the season. and But now it's spilling over into, is he going to be between the 8th and 14th overall pick? Will there possibly be another quarterback taken ahead of him? So we'll have to... I mean, there's a lot of good quarterbacks out there that are, that are coming out. You got, a, you got AJ. I mean, Manziel put up monster numbers this year. I sent you, I sent you his stats. I think the difference is between this year and last year is his rushing TDs. It is. Uh, I think he had 21 last year. Uh, I'm not sure how many this year. But, but you're right. He's improved as a passer this year. More passing yards a game. More passing touchdowns. The touchdown interception ratio is better this year than last year. I mean, he, he, he in my opinion, he had a better season this year than last year. He just didn't beat Alabama. Well, if he had he, he had he, like seven rushing touchdowns this year, and he had twenty two. So did he last win the Heisman last year? Seven to twenty two is a big difference. But did he win the Heisman last year only because he beat Alabama? No, he had twenty two rushing touchdowns last year compared to seven this year. In college football, it doesn't matter how you score. Seven compared to twenty two is a huge difference. But if he doesn't beat Alabama last year, would he even win the Heisman? Possibly not. That was his. As, as what do freshman. you think, Todd? I mean, that that beating Alabama is what really got him the notoriety. It did. Um... However, I think that, um, you know, life has a, fun, a lot of funny turns and all the background noise, I think, hurt him in the eyes of a lot of the voters. But uh, the kid at Florida State was heads and, heads and shoulders above everybody this year. There was no question about it. Another kid that I didn't talk, we know they had the Hasman voting this past Saturday. Carr from out at uh, uh, David Carr's little brother, State. Fresno State, he put up what, 48 touchdowns this year and wasn't invited. Who'd they play? But they, they named two teams Yeah, that they but played. They, beat, uh, 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 they beat a team Louisville uh, lost to, I think. Who do, uh, who, who do they beat? Somebody that Louisville lost to this they year. They lost Fresno to San State Diego State. State. Only Central Florida is who Louisville lost. Maybe, I don't know. They lost to San Diego State in the last, uh, last game, I believe. But 48 touchdowns is still impressive. Right, but when you're that's the playing, type of season Teddy Bridgewater should have had. You know, when you're playing Centurion State, and York, <laughs> and you know, there's a difference. Dawes High School. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of like the American compared to the SEC. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, that's fair. I'm, I won't deny the the difference in level of competition between the American and the SEC. Do you think the fact that David Carr out of Fresno State was taken number one overall? really negatively impacts his younger brother, Derek Carr, and his draft prospects? Because David Carr was as clear-cut of a, he didn't have a specific injury, he was simply a bust. At least he wasn't Ryan Leaf. He didn't go but, into uh, prison and have right. all sorts of arrests. But, and, you know, your name name means a lot. Uh, you know, I always remember the name. So uh, I think it has. And uh, could he have gone to a bigger program? I'm sure he could have. Why did he go to Fresno State? Was it because of the legacy? You know, I'm not sure. Maybe. I mean, it, you're right, Carlo. He had 48 touchdowns, seven interceptions, uh, raw quarterback rating of 80. Or, I'm sorry, overall rating of 161. I'm not saying he should have won the Hasbro. I'm just saying he should have been at least invited for having. I mean, the, the stats are impressive. You said it's all about scoring touchdowns, right? 48 touchdowns, that's a lot of touchdowns. But if you're playing in the SEC, it's a little different. But is it based off what conference you play in? In uh, large or, part, or what yeah. What stats you put up? Is in large part, yeah. I mean, I heard a lot of things. At first, it was character with Jameson Winston. Well, he's not going to win because of character, trades, character issues. So, what is the primary thing they look at 
for winning the Heisman Trophy. You know, it's an interesting topic is what determines who wins the Heisman Trophy. The Does, stat that I can't get stats. past. The stat that I can't get past is the one that Tim Tebow's the only Heisman Trophy winning quarterback to ever win a playoff game in the NFL. So it's clearly not who's the best professional prospect. There's a lot more to it. You got to be on a good team, you got to be in a good conference, have a tough schedule. You're right, Derek Carr had very impressive stats. Well, one question I have is uh, why don't defensive players ever get a fair shake? You know, the Heisman Trophy is for the greatest or the best college football player in the nation. The last player that won the Heisman, that was, he played both sides of the ball, and that's Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson. So that's he right. had to do defense and offense to win it. And before that, I, I couldn't tell you who was the, the last defensive player to win a Heisman. They, they, they can tell you what, they're chasing the ball. They don't have the ball in their hands the whole game. Whenever you're, you're chasing the ball, you're not going to be, I think, considered for the Heisman. I even be in the conversation. Who was considered for it? Was, didn't Indominus Sue get a little bit of, or Monte Teo got a little bit of, Monte Teo of, of was invited. publicity? Was he invited? He was invited, yes. yes. Okay. He was the finalist, I believe. Okay. And I think if I remember correctly, Indominus uh, Sue for Nebraska also, I don't know that he, was, uh, that he was invited to New York, but I think he got some, some buzz about it. Some defensive players really do impact the game that much, and they deserve it. You know, you have somebody like he was. The Indomitian was a Heisman Trophy finalist. Was he? Yeah, two thousand and nine. I like that because Indomitian Sue impacted the game. I mean, as much as anyone you could say uh, at the college level. I guess he didn't have the ball in his hands every every play, but he, they had a stout run defense. He applied pressure to the quarterback, and that is very important. He's uh, he was number one overall, I believe, wasn't he? He was. was. He, uh, and, uh, to the Lions, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. wouldn't he be considered the best college player? Or would he be considered the best pro prospect? Definitely the best best pro, pro prospect. I think there's a difference between the best right. college player and the best prospect, depending on the number one team who's picking that drive and what their needs are. And what are. they need. That's that, right. It's not always a quarterback that they need or a running back. Now, running back comes a dime a dozen now. A lot of those guys you can pick up in the later rounds or even pick them up off free agency or – have them try out and just come out of nowhere and be a, a, a dynamic uh, a running back. But uh, that's a good question, though. No defensive players. I'm going to have to look it up here in a second. Uh, if, if Brandon Lawrence, you can call in and, and correct us, let us know. Who was the last defensive player before Charles Wilson to win the Heisman? Very interesting question. And how that uh, award is being, uh, you know, what, what, what do they judge it on? So. What do they judge it on? What's the criteria? Look no further than another former or a former Florida State quarterback, another one, not Jameis Winston, but Charlie Ward. He won it, and he wasn't even drafted. He went and played for the Knicks in the NBA. You know, that I mean, was it's today, a whole different animal. If that was today, I think we probably had a chance to play in the NFL. Why? Just, he wasn't a passer. He's short, but the game's changed. Drew Brees is short. Drew Brees is an amazing passer. Doug, Floyd, Doug Flutie was short. They're amazing passers, though. Yeah, they, they could throw the ball. But when, now, you know, that, that's, that the offense they run now, running the ball, mobile quarterbacks, he may have had a chance. I mean, if T, he's definitely better than Tim Tebow. And Tim Tebow won a playoff game, and he started. So and I'm, he was I'm drafted sure, in the first round. And I'm sure he would get a chance if it was today's football. Even a guy like Joe, I don't know if you remember John Frazier from Nebraska. He was a bad boy back in the day. Tommy Frazier? Tommy, I'm sorry, Tommy Frazier from Nebraska. I remember Tommy John Frazier. John actually played at uh, West Kentucky. I was thinking okay. about it with my old buddies from WKU. Tommy Frazier ran the option? Yeah, he's I mean, there's different, whole different animal. I'm surprised that someone like Charlie Ward couldn't get on as maybe a wide receiver or, you know, something like that. He's 5'7". Yeah, <laughs> he's not playing wide receiver. That's true. Antoine <laughs> Randall ended up playing receiver, didn't he? 
Uh, I mean, that, yeah, that, yeah, 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 but he was tall in a five seven. <laughs> Not much taller. We're gonna head to the Oxmore Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, where we have our man Mo Egger on the line with us. How you doing this morning, Mo? Doing great, guys. How are you? Doing great. We really appreciate you joining us this morning. I was saying earlier that we're going to have Mo Egger on the line with us today. Um, I was listening to the ESPN national telecast yesterday, and I heard you. You did a great job yesterday. Well, thanks. It was a lot of fun. Fun to be on before the Heisman Trophy. You got some primetime exposure right there. Uh, Once again, want to thank you for joining us this morning. You're based in Cincinnati. I know you cover the Reds and the Bengals very closely. Before we jump into what's going on right now in the Cincinnati Bengals, I'm going to throw a couple uh, Cincinnati Reds questions at you. For starters, um, they say that the Yankees declined the Brett Gardner for Brandon Phillips trade offer. Will the Reds keep Brandon Phillips on board for another season? And maybe is he there for the long run? Is Brandon Phillips uh, here for the long run? Well, if you don't trade him this year, there's a really good chance he could be because coming in in August, Brandon Phillips will hit the threshold where he's a 10-5 and guy, meaning that he's been in the major leagues for 10 years and with the same team for more than five. And once you've hit that threshold, you can block any trade. As it is right now, Brandon has to submit a, a list of 12 teams that he doesn't want to be traded to, and the New York Yankees are one of them. So if you want to trade him to the Yankees, you have to get Brandon's approval, which means Brandon has the leverage right now now. I believe that, that the, the Reds will be talking about trading Brandon Phillips for the rest of the offseason, and I'm certainly not going to be surprised if they pull the trigger on one. But if you, you're the New York Yankees right now, as much as you need a second baseman to replace Robinson Cano, you know that the Reds are doing almost everything they can to trade Brandon Phillips, so you're certainly not going to give them the first guy that they want. You're going to be, you're going to be okay with dragging out the process just a little bit. So. Um, I, I think these two teams will continue to talk. I think the Reds will continue to hope that they get other offers for Brandon Phillips. The, the, the market's just going to be really limited for him because you need a team that needs a second baseman, and you need a team that has the luxury of being able to afford a second baseman in his mid-30s, $12 million a year all the way through 2017. And there just aren't that many teams who are going to be either able or, or willing to do that. The Yankees are one, and I think the Yankees know that. So they're not going to give you – when they're taking a contract off your hands, when they're doing you a favor, they're not going to give you exactly what you want. And so, thus, they said no to the uh, to the inquiry about uh, Brett Gardner. In Walt Jockety, in Walt Jockety, I trust, and I'm truly convinced of that. He has a, a very large emphasis on pitching. He values someone like Homer Bailey and Matt Latos very much. Um, and so, I'm not really in a position as a lifelong Reds fan to question anything that Walt Jockety does. My question to you is, do we have a shot at keeping Shin Su Chu, or is he for sure gone? I think they've moved on. Um, I think Shin Su Chu has, has priced himself out of the Reds' budget. And, and, and frankly, I'm kind of okay with that. Now, you know, look, Shin Su Chu was very good last year, and, and you could argue their offensive MVP. At the same time, he made $7.5 million last year, and aside from on-base percentage, his season totals were pretty much in line with what he has done every other year. You know, he's about a 280 hitter. He hit 20 homers. He's not as zero defensively, but certainly not great. You know, his stolen bases were about what you expect him. That number is going to drop. The one, num- the one area where he was superb was on-base percentage. And you only control part of that. He got hit by a lot. Uh, he got hit by pitches a lot. He walked a lot. 
those are things that I think are really hard to, to duplicate. So now you're, you're going to pay him twice of what he made last year. And in reality, the production isn't really going to increase. It's probably going to decrease. And especially as he gets into his mid-30s and he wants a six- or seven-year contract, as he gets into his mid-30s, the production is going to decrease. So I, I'm not sure. As good as Shin Chu was, look, would I like to have him back for a year? Of course. But at what he's going to cost and at what he wants, I just simply don't think that that's a very good investment. And I think if you're the Reds, you have to ask, how many questionable investments can we make, given that we're already starting to sour on the Votto deal, given that we've seen uh, how the Phillips deal has kind of come back to bite them? You can only afford so many really bad investments. And I think, honestly, as good a player as Shin Chu is, when you give him double what he got last year, I'm just not sure that's a very good allocation of money. Once again, we're joined by Mo Egger of ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. Before we head to the Bengals, I will ask another question. Should we expect Aroldis Chapman to be a starter or a reliever next season? I think he's going to be a reliever, um, but I, I think you're going to see him used a little bit differently. One of the, you know, one of the, the frequent criticisms, and I think it was valid of Dusty Baker, was that he wasn't willing to use him in any situation except to start the ninth inning. I think there were two times this year, maybe three times this past season, where he brought him in, you know, in the eighth inning to get a key out. And, and oftentimes the most critical outs of the game are, you know, in the earlier innings. If, if, if you're up by a run and there's, you know, two on one out in the eighth, that's a critical juncture of the game. You've got to get those outs. And Dusty was always unwilling to use a role to in those situations. I think you'll see Brian Price open to using Aroldis Chapman in situations that aren't necessarily closing situations, but that are high leverage, important game changing situations. I, I, I think deep down inside they would love it if they could get Aroldis Chapman to start. Aroldis Chapman doesn't want to start. And I think at this stage in the game, we're kind of trying to put the, the, the toothpaste back in the tube and trying to undo something that shouldn't have been done back in 2010 you know, if you remember, when, he, when the Reds signed him, they had him in Louisville. He started for half the season. Then they made him a relief pitcher because they thought they needed bullpen help down the stretch. Well, if, if this process went uninterrupted, Aroldis Chapman would be a starter right now. And I think the other thing you have to remember is when we talk about him being a starter, we talk about him being a great starter. I think the Reds would even tell you that the reality, that the most likely reality for Aroldis Chapman being a starter involves him being an okay starter. He's not going to give you 200 to 220 innings. He's going to be very good at times. He's going to be awful at times. And he's going to be kind of middle of the road the rest of the time. And, you know, we, we tend to talk about him in terms of starting like he's going to pitch six or seven innings the way he pitches the ninth inning. And I don't really think the Reds think that he's capable of doing that. Gotcha. Well, Mo, you know, I, I'm a lifelong, not only Cincinnati Reds, but also Cincinnati Bengals fan. I know you're – they're in it, you're in Cincinnati, and that you see it every day. Throughout my life as a Bengals fan, I have seen some horrible defenses. I've seen guys like Jeff Blake and then even Carson Palmer, you know, put up some exciting offensive numbers, yet they didn't have the defense or maybe even the offensive line to contend for a Super Bowl. What I see this season is a team that has everything that we've lacked for so many years. Our defense is amazing, despite losing Geno Atkins and Leon Hall. Um, I think our offensive line, even though we've had the shift from Whitworth putting them into guard, I think we've still got a very good offensive line. Skill position players, we've got everything. My question is, why is it that I personally am so wishy-washy 
on Andy Dalton as the future quarterback of this team? Because Andy Dalton refuses, not refuses, Andy Dalton just simply doesn't play well consistently enough to, to earn your confidence. Um, I agree with you. I think if you, if you look at their defense and if you put them in the context of the day and age that we're in, I think you can make the argument that this is the best Bengals defense ever. Um, it, it's simply given how the rules are, are, are steered toward offense, simply given kind of the age we're in and, and prolific offenses. I, I, I think, I think you could consider this the best Bengals defense of all time. I think when you look at the roster from an offensive line standpoint, you're right. The move of Andrew Whitworth to guard and, and Anthony Collins to left tackle has paid dividends. They're very good up front. They've got a good running game, not a great one, but a good running game and a lot of skill guys. Um, Unfortunately, this season, we've seen, the, we've seen the two extremes when it comes to Andy Dalton. We've seen him twice become the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. He's the AFC Offensive Player of the Month for, for October. And then we've also seen a stretch <clears throat> Excuse me, we've seen a stretch where he throws eight picks in three games. And to win a Super Bowl, you don't need uh, an elite quarterback, but, but you do need a quarterback playing at a really high level. And if you're going to win in the playoffs, that means you have to win three or four games. And at some point, your quarterback's going to have to make big boy throws, and he's going to have to avoid making the kind of mistakes that, unfortunately, with Andy Dalton, when he's not that good, tend to multiply. And until we see him put together the kind of stretch where he's good week in and week out, and it's not to say that he's not given a bad game. The really good quarterbacks have bad games. The problem is we don't see the really good games frequently enough, and we don't see them consecutively enough. And I think until we do, uh, whether you want to call it wishy-washy or, or whatever, th- th- that's going to exist when it comes to Andy Dalton, and, and ultimately he's going to be the reason why a lot of people, why a lot of people, kind of hedge their bets on on the Bengals uh, until he and they prove otherwise. We've seen guys like Eli Manning or even Joe Flacco, who are more gunslingers, lead their teams to Super Bowls, and they're not, you know, immune to making the big mistakes or throwing interceptions. I don't have a problem with that. Part of me thinks I would rather have someone like. Along those lines, maybe even Rex Grossman than someone like Andy Dalton. How crazy of a statement is that? And am I completely ludicrous for even suggesting we should have Rex Grossman over Andy Dalton? Well, I don't want Rex Grossman. I don't <laughs> think anybody wants Rex Grossman. I, I, I think that might be might be a little extreme. Look, it, it, the, 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 the tantalizing thing about Andy Dalton is he's capable. I mean, um, there are games where he, he completely looks apart and – uh, last week against Indianapolis was one of them. Now, part of that was the fact that they kept him upright. and He was literally never touched by the Indianapolis Colts. But, um, you know, the idea the idea behind this season was to insulate him and, and give him a multitude of weapons and build a running game around him. And they brought back Andre Smith because, uh, you know, the, the keeping him upright was so important. And Andre's a very good pass blocker. It's it's about it's about fortifying a defense that dictates that you don't have to go out there and score 30 points every week. Um, Andy basically has to not screw it up. And unfortunately, when they've lost games this year, usually Andy has screwed it up. Um, in the postseason, at some point, Andy's going to be asked to not screw it up. And if he does, especially given the kind of teams they're, that are in their way, they're, they're probably they're probably going to lose. But again, you. You get play from him at times. Again, this is a player who twice this season has been the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. He's the AFC Offensive Player of the Month for, for October. Now, you can put whatever stock you want into those things, but you don't get those things by being average. You get those things by being very, very good. And there have been times throughout the course of his three years where he has been very good, 
again, you just don't see it often enough, or it gets offset by the three interception performance uh, performance against the Dolphins, or the three interception performance uh, against Baltimore. Um, and and until those things, they're never going to go away. But until we don't see those things nearly as much, then you're always going to wonder: Would the Bengals be better off with somebody else playing quarterback? Mo, I agree completely with you there. Uh, the Bengals play tonight at Pittsburgh. Big game. They need to win. Hopefully keep the momentum going, get the home field advantage through the playoffs. Mo, thank you very much for joining us today. Have a great rest of your weekend, and go Bengals. You got it, guys. Thanks. Great stuff there from our man Mo Egger of 700 WLW and ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. We're going to head to a break, and we will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. And welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz with your host Kelly Patrick. I'm Carlo Kellum. Still waiting to hear my Justin Timberlake song, Todd. You know, today is Justin Timberlake Day here in Louisville, Kentucky. We'll be at the, uh, the KFC Yum Center. But uh, we're talking about uh, Chicago uh, over the over the little break we had there. K, uh, Josh McNam versus Jay Cutler. Brian Erlacher, Erlacher had a comment saying that he would rather leave Josh in the game right now if he was on that team. He would make his voice heard that Josh needs to remain the starter for the remainder of the season. Now, my question is, uh, Jay Cutler is going into the final year of his contract next year, new coach this year. So what if he feels that Cutler's not the guy for him next year? Does he stick with Josh, or does he go with the that guy they're paying all the money to? I think, you, in my opinion, I think you got to stick with Jay Cutler. The reason I say that is Josh McCown's 34 years old. The best season he's had prior to this 2013 year where he's just completely on a different planet. He's thrown 13 touchdowns, one interception. The best season he had had prior to that was 2004 with Arizona when he threw 11 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. And he fumbled the ball 11 times. Well, so I mean, this is a complete. This is just completely out of left field with Josh McCown. Arizona. What do you mean? Arizona. They were terrible back then. He didn't have an office. They didn't didn't make him fumble the ball eleven times. He was running for his life eleven times. So you think Josh McCown's really this good? He is this year in the system. He's very good. Apparently, wide receivers like Brandon Marshall and Jeffrey, who came on the scene and made a big impact. Uh, Jeffrey's good. This is a a team that fits his fits his uh, his style of play. And I think he, I think it's a better fit right now than Jay Cutler, who just throws the ball up in the air, hoping Brandon Marshall catches the ball. The, it brings you back to the old question of: Are you able to lose your job due to an injury? And we've seen it happen time and time again. Where we people saw it happen do. with Drew Bledsoe and Tom That's Brady. the best example. Uh, I, Joe Montana and Steve Young. Joe, Joe Montana, Steve Young. It almost happened with Steve Berline and Troy Aikman, but Jimmy Johnson stuck with Troy Aikman. But I don't know if you probably don't remember that, but Berline was having a heck of a season when uh, Troy Aikman got hurt. Uh, I think it was during that first title run. First, I say. At but, the end of the day, each coach, you know, gets to make those decisions. It's always a tough decision. Todd, you say you'd go with McCown. I mean, he's hot right now. What he's doing is, like I said, 13 touchdowns, one interception. He has Brandon Marshall. He's got good receivers. This team's playing well, and they're going with Cutler. Well, you got to go with the horse that's got you there. And he's the only uh, 
person that's kept him in uh, playoff contention. Otherwise, a lot of people earlier in the year, Rome off is dead already. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I think he's got him back in it. So why change horses? One o'clock today, the Bears play at Cleveland. Cleveland is four and nine. What's but the spread? Th- they can win. Let's see what the spread is. What happened? After the trade, they were like three Ch- and one, and they just went downhill after that. Chicago by one is the line. Wow. I'm taking Chicago. Is Brady and Wheaton starting? Brandon Whedon is starting. Lay the lumber. You would think so. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of bad games today. Late a in the season. The only game other than my Bengals tonight against the Steelers, which I'm obviously very interested in, um, is the Patriots at Dolphins. Which has playoff implications today if the Dolphins lose. I mean, if, if New England loses, then what does that mean for the playoff race? It means that the Bengals have a good chance at getting home field advantage throughout. Wow. It well, also helps the Broncos. It also helps the, the, the Broncos who the dropped their loss. How do you lose to the Chargers? I mean, this seems like the same team as North Turner. I mean, they're, they, they, they lose to Oakland. They lose to Tennessee. They beat Denver. And then they beat a couple other good teams. But I, I don't, they're just so sometime you never know what Chargers team is going to show up. You know, Carlo, it seems like the Chargers have been like that forever. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like Always. North Turner is still the coach. It's like they Always. haven't changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Norvell Turner. Norvell <laughs> But, but yeah, I, I just don't understand the the Chargers. They're actually still in it based off that win last week. I mean, I, I, it, the, the AFC is so up and down right now. It, one loss could change the whole season for one team. NFC is too. The Cowboys really they're still in it. I, I think that Philly will run away with that division eventually. I think it's going to come down to the last game. Denver plays Dallas. The, I mean, Dallas plays Philly the last game of the season. That's going to probably determine. The uh, the championship of that division. It's been like that the last four or five years. It's came down to the last game of the season in that division. Last week, the Monte Kiffin led Dallas Cowboys defense, the greatest, the Tampa two, as you always like to uh, bring up, <laughs> gave up forty five count. Lit them up. How much of this is really involved well, with how bad Monty Kiffin and the not not it's Monty the Kiffin? Nope. I, it's the it's the the talent, the lack of talent. Jerry Jones has has put on the defensive side of the ball. They had Demarcus Ware for years. He's hurt. He was applying amazing pressure. They don't. Have, their defense is as bad as any defense that I've seen ever in the NFL, and that's the Cowboys' defense, led by a definitive Hall of Famer, Monty Kiffin. You can't deny that. But he's he's he, he's let the game is pass he a him Hall by. Of Famer? Did he win a championship? Yeah. No, he didn't. Is the defensive coordinator for the Bucks When John Gruden was there? He was there under the, the, the Dungy reign. I don't think he was on that team with John Gruden. I think he was gone after Tampa. Ta- possibly not. I'll, after, I'll look uh, it up here. After Gruden left, I mean, after, uh, what's his name left? Dungy. That was Gruden's team. I don't think he was on that team. I'm 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 bringing it up right here. Regardless, he's had a great career. So he's not a, no, he's not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he's not a Hall of Famer coach. Not uh, when was the last time an assistant coach made it to the Hall of Fame anyway? <laughs> I don't think it's ever happened. All right, he was the defensive coordinator for Tampa Bay from '96 through 2008. Oh, really? Yeah, so he was on that. So team he team. he stayed within the the two coaching. So maybe he's not a Hall of Famer. Maybe I was getting carried away. He's one of the great defensive coordinators ever. He is 73 years old, and he doesn't have very good talent with the Cowboys right now. He looks like the game's passed him by. He's not adjusting. He's sticking with his his cover two uh, philosophy, and it doesn't work when you don't have good corners. That defense is garbage. I I, I said it before the the game last Sunday that 
Josh McNair was going to have a field day. He was licking his chops when he found out when he knew he was going to start against that uh, that uh, Dallas defense. It's terrible. It's the I think it's the worst in the league right now. That that's an awful defense, and it's based off Monty Kiffin. And you see a guy like uh uh what's Rex Ryan's Rob Ryan, who they had last year, who I thought did a good job. But a lot of tissy on the sideline, very colorful. But he's look what he's done with that Saints defense. He's completely turned that defense around. They were so the maybe worst it's just the, the horrible the horrible talent or the lack thereof that the Cowboys have. Maybe the Cowboys defense is just completely void of any talent. I think it's game planning. I, I think there's. I, I think if you don't have talent, you still can have a game plan. Our scheme. Look at uh our man Bill Belichick. He doesn't always have the best talent. I think he just has the best schemes. Name one player on his defense right now besides the cornerback who's one of the best in the league. You probably can't think of anybody. Vince Wilfork. Um, He's hurt. Okay. He's been hurt They've all got year almost. Nick, yeah. Nico Kedavidikas, a uh, guy with the, uh, in the middle. Gerard Mayo. Gerard Mayo's tough. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think I can name some other but guys. Let me a, keep trying. I'm not looking at anything. Not a ton They've of talent got a, on their defense. A, a defensive back who's pretty high draft pick. Um, they lost Brandon Merriweather. Yeah. There's not a ton of talent on that defense. But they have stocked it with pretty good youth. <laughs> right? Yeah, Utes? sorry. I was, yeah, yeah, I was Utes. laughing at a Gary Thomas comment. <laughs> if somebody else calls me Carlos again, we're going to have a problem. Last <laughs> night at the Future Promotions boxing event, Gary or, uh, Carlo was very upset for starters that they were mispronouncing his childhood friend, Nate Petty's name. They were calling him Nate Perry. And I saw Carlo from across the ring mouthing, it's petty. He was really, I mean, looked pretty upset. It's petty. Repeatedly, yeah, they I was, kept saying I was, it. Uh, I was kind of a, I was very up, uptight last night. A lot of, a lot of tension, you know. But you know, it, it was just one of those days. I and then I had just one of those days last night. And then they got on there and they called him Carlos. And I just saw him, and I'm surprised somebody didn't get hurt because it was, you know, that was it was for our Hispanic uh, crowd when they said that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see how Gilbert dissed uh, late night now? I was like, what's your name? <laughs> that was kind of cold-blooded, I thought. <laughs> and then he got ended up getting a picture with him. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that's the wrestling business right there. Wrestling. But, uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, Saints at Rams. Uh, Chargers at Broncos. That game's over. Uh, Cardinals at Titans. Packers at Cowboys, I think. We already talked to uh, to. It depends. So right the, now, the Aaron Rodgers is the game-time decision, unless anyone has heard anything otherwise. Uh, but when I checked this morning, he was still game-time. Not a guarantee he's going to play coming off that broken collarbone. So uh, if he doesn't play, we, we'll see Matt Flynn. So that makes it like if Aaron Rodgers was playing, that would be an interesting game. But when you don't win Matt Flynn, it's like, well, yeah. Tony Romo, should he, he should win this game. How much you want to bet that the Packers lose tonight? Brandon Lawrence, are you listening? Tonight, I'm, even with Matt Flynn starting, no matter what, who's starting, I guarantee you, Matt Flynn will probably have six touchdowns on uh, this Dallas defense. Then he'll get another fat contract next year from somebody based off this one game. <laughs> During the last segment, we will break down more of the NFL for uh, the playoff implications and talk to our man Brandon Lawrence. Todd, Carlo, and I will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Show you a few things.
And welcome back to Weekend Sports Buzz. Kelly Patrick, I'm Carlo Kellum. My best friends in town tonight, Justin Timberlake, I'll be hanging out with him at the Yum Center backstage. You know, we're going to probably uh, head out to undisclosed location after the after the big show. <laughs> Maybe Kelly Patrick can come out and hang out with us and Todd Neal, but I'm looking forward to that. Yum Center is getting some big names. Didn't I just have Beyonce the other night? Yeah, I, now, know, I heard the most ridiculous statement ever. Somebody said that Beyonce was a better performer than Michael Jackson. You know it was a 90s kid who said it, but uh, I've never heard anything so ridiculous in my whole life. Is Michael Jackson the greatest performer of all time? Yeah. I mean, who else? Elvis? No, I don't know. <laughs> who else, Todd? You who else a, is up uh, there? You going to see a 300-pound guy sitting on the, on the stage <laughs> not, with his shirt half open, not, singing and sweating like a pig? Not yeah. fat Elvis. <laughs> Elvis was the greatest. He was unquestionably the greatest. Uh, I don't... Michael Jackson? Are you guys serious? I saw James Brown in concert. Okay, if you don't get Elvis, Elvis got all his stuff from uh, uh, Little Richard and a couple other guys out there. He stole his routines from. But Elvis over Michael Jackson? No, nah, I don't know, really. I mean, but as far as what people consider thing, I mean, don't Elvis, get me wrong. Elvis is a bad boy. James don't Brown has wrong. to be up there, too, right? He's a great performer, yeah. But, yeah, Elvis is a bad boy. Don't get me wrong. Justin but, Timberlake's uh, right up there with Michael. I mean, he's no. along the, in the same mold, right? What about the Rolling Stones? I mean, I, I've never seen them before. No. I think it's different. We're talking about bands, and I'm talking about the dancing and all that. That's that's bands. I, I kind of put those in different categories. I like James Brown's crazy. Um, I mean, he was, you know, dancing and just an element of craziness going on there with James Brown. I like that. Getting the hot tub. <laughs> Loved Classic. it. But yeah, but yeah. Justin Timber Justin Timberlake has to be up there certainly as far as modern. Performers, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, in today's era, yeah. Beyonce. Beyonce, yeah. I believe, is right now. She's uh, she's uh, one of the hot ones. And, of course, if you go to country, country is really taking over. You know, you've got the little teeny boppers and Taylor Swift, et cetera. Yeah. Molly Ray Cyrus, is she still considered country? Or? Who? <laughs> she's no longer country? No? Oh, she, oh, she's hard rock now, yeah. She's hard rock. She's hip-hop. But uh, 10 minutes left in the show, Kelly. NFL, NBA, so much going on. How do you want to end the show? Mac Brown leaving Texas. We talk, yeah, who, yeah, who's gonna? Texas has more resources. That's a big job. We've heard it over and over again. Texas has more resources than Alabama or than any other program out there. They offered who, who are they going to go after? Is it going to be a no name? And you can supposedly have a, a autopilot type coach come in and and lead this uh, giant, this um, you know this amazing um, historical program to success, or do they have to get a big name? I think it has to be a big name. I, I don't know. A big name. Like who? I, I like the idea of Bobby Petrino. I really do. I, I do, too. I like that idea. I think he goes to somewhere like Texas, and the recruiting he can do, and the offense he can put together with a, with a team and resources like that. Oh, my gosh. He would walk right in there and turn it into a, a, a whole different ball game right out of the, right out of the gate. The Weekend Sports Bros is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, the personal injury attorney here in Louisville. Call 502-587-0041 to reach Brandon for all your personal injury attorney needs. We are going to head to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, where we are joined by Brandon now. How are you doing this morning, Brandon? Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, Kelly? What's up, Carlo? Man, man? I, I, was, I was disappointed I didn't see you in flesh last night at the event, but hey, you had great uh, representation from your... Uh, Minions that you sent out. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. My man, uh, Scott O'Laughlin was out there with it. You know, he was out there holding it down for us. Yeah, Scott's a great guy, um, man. Had a lot of fun with him. I actually got a chance to hang out with him after the event, man. We had we had a blast, man. He's definitely uh, he's he's he's, he's something else. Good guy. Yeah, he he needs to do a celebrity arm wrestling contest or something. Yeah, I'm trying to get him. Um, I'm trying to get him in the <laughs> ring, man. You know. <laughs> You know, he's jacking up guys at Mr. G's and as a bouncer. We need to get him in the cage. Yeah, and that would be a good one. That would be a real good one. Hey, man, but I was listening to y'all. You know, sound great. Just two things. Dick LeBeau is in the NFL Hall of Fame. That's right. But he was a head coach at one point. He was not in the Hall of Fame for being the bum head coach of the Bengals. I'm saying that no... Defense. He was a head coach. They, they never put a just a defense, a coordinator in a Hall of Fame without having any head coaching experience. Well, okay, yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. But he's, I mean, he's a long time defensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, and he won a couple Super Bowls, a few Super Bowls with them. Um, and of course, I gotta, I gotta uh, hold up for my Cowboys. They're twenty fifth out of thirty two <laughs> teams in the NFL in defense. The Washington Redskins are holding it down as the worst defensive team in the NFL. Yeah, he would. He, I, I knew he would comment on my comment when I said they were the worst defensive <laughs> league. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Hey, and, and the bad part about it, Chicago's worse than the Cowboys, and they still lost. So you know, <laughs> hey, that's how it goes, man. Doggone shame. But hey, and then also for that Texas spot you guys are talking about. Some of the top people are Franklin over at Vanderbilt. That's the word. Franklin, uh, the coach at Vanderbilt. Uh, Shaw, brought, was Shaw, the coach at Stanford. And there's another guy. I can't. I can't remember his name. But those are the. Those are the uh, couple of the top guys. I don't even think. I don't think. Who's who? Did you say will be a good uh, candidate? Bobby P. Petrino? What do you think about Bobby Petrino? I don't even, I don't even think he's in it. Is he in the conversation. In the I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Even, I don't he might be. I don't think he's in it though. But nah, man, you know you guys are pretty. You guys are so accurate, man. It's like you got you guys live and breathe this stuff, man. You built for this, man. Um, it's, it's not a whole lot of inaccuracy. No, we appreciate it. You know, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, it, it, and then, uh, hey, man, uh, my condolences to Adrian Broner last night. Uh, you know what happened, man? I, <laughs> I mean it. it... I mean, he can. Okay, know. is he allowed to talk smack for the rest of his career now, or has this match humbled him? He's got. He's got to win like six in a row before he can say something else again. So he needs to get a big win before he can talk about beating somebody to death, uh, taking somebody's girl. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, that's your, you know, yeah, that's your expertise. So you know, you got to come up with what he's got to do. You know? <laughs> all right. But hey, hey, man, it's always good talking to y'all, man. Love the show. Cowboys against Green Bay. No way in the world Matt Flynn is going to beat the Cowboys today. We're going to the playoffs, baby. Six touchdowns, man. Six touchdowns on this defense. I'm saying it here first. Matt Flynn will have another six <laughs> touchdown game against Monty Kiffin-led defensive uh, team for the Cowboys. Hey, and they cheated. They cheated UK. And there was some home cooking over there, man. Ah, uh, you know what? Right. We, we were more competitive than Louisville was. So I, I, I saw great things last yesterday uh, in Kentucky. That's going to help us in the future. Yeah. But they were more competitive against North Carolina than Louisville was. Yeah, I mean, they were at home. So, I mean, you know, you expect them to win. But, I mean, you know, a couple of those calls uh, real questionable down the stretch. But, hey, Randall looked frustrated out there. But, you know, he's he's got to get better. He will get better. Yeah, he's learning. That'll be good.
Brandon, are you at all discouraged about this Kentucky basketball team, or is it just so early in the season that there's no real reason to 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 get too worried about it? I don't think it's any worry. I don't think it's a whole lot of reason to get worried. I mean, yeah, like you said, they're they're, they're at least they're playing these games early, and they know they kind of they're figuring out the lineups, figuring out what they have. You know, you have to get detractors. And I'm like, people are jumping to a lot of conclusions. But I think Randall's the real deal. Young impressed me. Um, um, the Harrison, the shooting guard, was that Andrew? Uh, Aaron, no, Aaron. Aaron Harrison is, is, is tough. And, then, you know, I think Poitras, Poitras, Kali has come a long way. Um, I think they're good, man. I think they're good to go. I think they're legitimate. They make a legitimate Final Four run, you know. I mean, it's once you get this, get in the tournament, man. Those guys have to get in the tournament. They're playing top competition right now, so they're ironing exactly. the kinks out. Exactly. Uh, and I think on the twenty eighth, they'll they'll run they'll run they'll sprint through uh, Louisville on the twenty eighth, man. No question. That's what I was going to ask. You think that uh, the lack of a big man for the Cards will give the edge to to the Wildcats? And you know, Willie Cauley Stein had twelve rebounds, five blocks, only five points, but I mean. He's a presence inside. Louisville doesn't really have anybody to compete with that, do they? And that's what you—that's what it is. They, you, you, you don't, man. They out rebound They out rebound Carolina at one point yesterday, forty-one to twenty-seven. And Carolina's got some big guys. Louisville doesn't have a whole lot of experience. I mean, that's the thing about it. Louisville doesn't have as much experience as they did last year. So uh, Kentucky's much more athletic. And I think they've got, you know, they've got that learning curve from last year, a couple guys back. So I, I think that'll put them over the edge. And then, you know, uh, Calipari is a much better coach than uh, Patino. And that, the X's and O's, they got, though, they got them crushed on that, man. There's no question about that. You know, what, no Cal, what Cal did yesterday was he spread out the minutes a little bit more. He had Dominique Hawkins played 18 minutes. Alex Poitras huh? had, had a nice game, 24 minutes. It's only six points, yep. but he had eight rebounds. So, I mean, that's got to be a good sign for the Cats to, to go in a little bit further into their very talented bench. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's real, you know, it's, I think it's, I think you hit it on the head, Kelly. Real good sign, man. Real good sign. I mean, you know, uh, I know you're a big Cards fan. I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, man, the Cats are going to take it, baby. Just take it all the way to the top. And then plus, look, man, oh, yeah, I had one more question, one more thing for you. You were talking about, uh, you're talking about, you're talking about the Cincinnati uh, defense. The Cincinnati defense in '82 and '89 might disagree with you. Those two Super Bowl teams might disagree with you on who was the best. Uh, who's the best defense? Just you know, just throwing that out there. And uh, you know, one day, man, one day, what's this guy's name? Andy Dalton's gonna come after you. He's gonna come after <laughs> His little brother's gonna come and kick you. In Can the you think he could pride him to and Rex Grossman? I mean, he said he'd rather have Rex Grossman <laughs> than. And, I mean, and, wow. One last thing before I go. If you look at the top, look at these top teams, and look at their quarterback. Not a whole lot of top teams have a Division One quarterback. Uh, you know, with a lot of hype. Like, say for instance, Cowboys, Tony Romo, Eastern Michigan, uh, Big Big Ben. Uh, he went to Miami, Ohio. Um, you know, Joe Flacco. Don't have a whole lot Baltimore. of huh? Joe Flacco, yeah. Delaware. Yeah. Flacco went. He went to Delaware. Delaware Rich Gannon's school, yeah, he went to <laughs> Delaware. So it's like you don't you don't have a whole lot of uh, you know these 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 uh, top tier college uh, teams don't necessarily produce the best quarterback, you know. So and Teddy Bridgewater, how's he going to be the number one pick? He he, did, he got he got uh, zeroed out of all the major. He didn't win a Maxwell. He won anything. 
He didn't even win the MVP of the AAC, man. <laughs> of the Americans, wow. <laughs> That's saying something, man. He didn't win the MVP of his own conference. And who who was the quarterback that won it? I don't know about that. That'd be a good trivia question. The Central Florida quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. All right, Brandon. It's been- all right, man. Y'all take it easy. Thanks a lot, Brandon. Once again, Brandon J. Lawrence bringing the weekend sports buzz to you every Saturday from 9 to 11 and Sunday from 10 till 12. Been a great show. Todd, Carlo, thank you guys very much. Um, we'll be back next Sunday with more of the weekend sports buzz.